You're listening to Travel Nursing and Allied Life, hosted by TravCon. Hello and welcome to TravCon TV and Travel Nurse and Allied Life, a podcast that's brought to you by TravCon. And I am Laura. I am the host of the part of this YouTube channel and podcast that talks all about trends and technology and the future of our amazing industry. And today we have some really cool guests. We have John and Dave. These are the founders of Kamana. And Kamana, for those of you who don't know about them yet, this is a tech company that came into our industry and it came from the mindset of a traveler who figured out a really big problem in the industry and they came with a solution. And the solution is all about the part of the industries that is about credentialing. And so on one side for the travelers, it is so cool. It's actually a great user experience that you can go in and you can make a profile, like the, the background stuff, the skills checklist, you can store your credentials in one place. And then the cool, almost like magical tech part of it is you get this link that you can share out with different recruiters you're working with, different companies. And then the moment you're like, I'm not working with that recruiter anymore, you can turn the link off. So you really get control and more, um, more autonomy over like your data. And then on the agency side now, I know we've got um, a lot of uh, agencies that listen to this too. And one of the biggest pain points I know you are just saying amen to is processing the compliance is not easy. It's actually, I think, a lot more complex and nuanced than you probably thought when you were first getting started. And Kamana also um, helps out with the agencies processing that compliance side as well. So, uh, John and Dave, how long has Kamana been in the industry? It feels like um, just yesterday, but you guys have accomplished so much. It blows me away. Yeah, that's a good question. So, we started uh, conceptually uh, the last month of 2018. Uh, we really formed the company early 2019 and launched our first product over the summer of last year. And um, we've really had the full product in the market, or at least the traveler side for, I guess, 14, 15 months now. Wow. Well, I am blown away. You guys have accomplished so much. I know a lot of the industry already um, uses it and, and raves about it and loves it. Um, and so John and Dave, uh, they have a ton of knowledge about the, the compliance and the paperwork and the credentialing side of it, and a lot of industry knowledge of the technologies and what is to come in our industry. Um, and it's going to be super interesting. Um, and this, this side of the industry is really actually way more interesting than I would have ever thought when I was like just starting as a traveler, just felt like that's the paperwork I'm supposed to do. It is a, it's really interesting as a traveler to listen to like, how much does it cost? What gets in the way? Why do start dates not happen sometimes? Why are agencies like crazy specific about some things and some things are complicated? We're going to answer a lot of those questions. And these are things I wish I had known when I was just starting just to understand this part of the industry more. So first, let's just get on the same page about what we're talking about, the word credentialing. What does credentialing mean? And I'm gonna answer it in my terms and then we're gonna go into more detail with, with John and Dave. But for me, credentialing is really just the paperwork. It's the, it's the stuff you have to fill out and do when you are a travel healthcare professional and you are going from, I wanna to apply to jobs all the way to like getting that assignment, like first day of the assignment. It's all the stuff you have to do in between. 
And why this piece of the industry is so important is really putting yourself on the shoes of the hospital who's hiring us. The hospitals um, or, or the um, skilled nursing homes or the home health agencies, whoever it is, the facility that's hiring us, they need a traveler. Many times what that means is they need someone soon. They've got um, you know, a shortage. Um, they've got an increase of patients, whatever it is, they don't have time to do all this. So they're paying money to outsource it to the middleman, that staffing agency. The staffing agency's job is to make sure we are who we say we are. We do have the skills to hit the ground running. We can go in and care for these patients and give them the medication the right way and save lives and be amazing for the facilities that need us to care for the patients. That is what the agency is hired for. Well, how would you do that? How would you do that? You know, if you were hiring a nanny for your kids, you would have to go through certain steps to make sure that we really are licensed. We really have good references. That is their job. And if they do it wrong, their fines are unbelievable. Medical malpractice lawsuits are no joke. So credentialing is how they stay safe. It's how the hospital stays safe. And it's what we get to do as professionals. It's what we have to do. Um, so we're on the same page about what it is. Now let's talk about the two buckets. So uh, John, I'm gonna ask you this one about just basic. If I was a traveler, I'm looking to apply for my first travel healthcare position. What are the things in that bucket of credentials that I need to have prepared and ready to submit to a job? Yeah, for sure. So those are the things that the recruiter is gonna be looking at to see if you are a match for you know, this specific job that you're targeting or other jobs that they may have. So, you know, first of all, just starting with having an understanding of where you want to work, what type of shift, you know, what, what are your kind of work preferences, having that ready to go, um, your professional portfolio. So that might be like a profile in Kamana, it could be your resume, whatever it is that you know, articulates your experience as a healthcare professional, where have you worked, what EHRs did you use? you were in the NICU, what NICU level was it? Some of these fine points that the recruiter's going to want to see, and it's really going to highlight your, your experience when they present it to that hiring manager. Um, you'll hear recruiters off the bat, they need to see, talk to references. Uh, skills checklists often come up in this kind of submittal process, um, which are obviously, you know, can be a big headache when you're doing them over and over again. Um, and then sometimes you'll see like licensure number, they're gonna go ahead and validate that you have a license in that state, uh, certifications that might be needed for that specific floor. But really at the end of the day saying, you know, this healthcare professional, do they hit some of these high level boxes? So we know that they're gonna be a qualified fit for this very specific need that that, that hospital has. Perfect, yeah, good. So that bucket is really vetting us travelers um, and saving the hiring manager time. You got to have a certain amount of years of experience. Um, you have to be licensed. Check, check, check. You're good enough to interview. Okay, so let's say I interviewed, crushed it, I got the job. What is in the bucket of all the paperwork that um, I could expect to do to go from getting the job to starting on the first day on time? Yeah, so this is where it gets a little more into the guts of credentialing. So you're going to see things like background check. So for us, that looks like a form that we need to sign, giving them authority to run that background check. You're going to see medical records come up. So it's flu season right now as we're filming this. So I need to see that proof of flu vaccination. Right now, we need to see a lot of like a recent COVID test. Um, TB mass fit or the N95 mass fit is huge right now. 
you know, and then through the rest of TDAP, MMR, a lot of this just those medical records. If you've got a physical on file, they're going to want that. And then there's going to be items that we have to go get. If you're missing that titer, you need a, a recent drug screening, uh, you may be running over to Quest and, and getting some of that stuff. Perfect. Okay, so how quickly, I know credentials are, are essentially the things that have to be completely done and back in order for me to start on day one. If one of them is not back, I can't start. And that's really the, the race there of like getting all this back in order for everyone to start on the date that we said we would start. So um, with that, my curiosity is what's average in the industry right now of accepting a job to the credentialing being done where you actually are like green go, you could start the job. What is normal? Yeah, I think. Yeah, go ahead, Dave. Yeah, sorry, man. So we we uh, we typically uh, agencies that have their you know stuff together. We see twenty one days uh, is a like good minimum target. Uh, anything less than twenty one days gets a little stressful. Um, anything earlier than fourteen days often is impossible. Uh, and then you know twenty eight days is comfortable. So. Uh, you really want to be, you know, have that 21 day window is ideal. Um, and, you know, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. That is really interesting. And it makes so much sense. Many times as travelers, we're like, when should I really start looking hardcore for my next assignment? And it's always going to be in that like two months ready to go or six weeks. But once you get to that one month mark, you're really fighting against the clock because of the credentialing. And so that is interesting. If you are only two weeks out from the start date, it's really hard to get the credentialing all back in time for it. If you're three weeks out, it's okay. It's doable. You just gotta get your stuff in. Um, but really, what I'm hearing is like that month is what's come is what's comfortable. You can feel pretty comfortable in that. That's super interesting. Okay, so let's say I got a job and we have two and a half weeks until it starts. So I I now know because I listened to this podcast. Ooh, I bet my credentialing team and agency is stressed out right now. And let's just say I am an awesome traveler and I want to decrease their stress. What are the things that I should for sure get to them on day one um, in order to have a more likely chance of being ready for an on-time start? Sure. Yeah. So I think, you know, a lot of this stuff we can predict, you know, if you're a already an ER nurse or you're already a physical therapist that's worked in this discipline, you know what certifications they're going to need. You know, they're going to need your license. You know that they're going to need uh, specific medical records. So having kind of all your ducks in a row and having this stuff organized, nice and clean and presentable and ready to fire over, you know, uh, however you store, keep that stuff together, share it quickly with them. Uh, that's really going to cut down on that. And, you know, you're never going to give them too much information. So if you're not sure if they're going to need that physical that you have on file, send it to them anyways. You know, that may satisfy the need that they were going to ask you next week to go get a physical. So uh, yeah, just keeping all that stuff nice and organized, you know, don't wait till credentialing starts. If you're on the job hunt or just as a healthcare professional, having your professional portfolio nice and, and locked together and ready is just going to make you ready for any opportunity. And as we know, like a lot of times they needed you two weeks ago. So the faster they can get it done, the facility is going to be excited and nobody wants to Crowd, you know, travel across the country, show up to that state and start date, get pushed back because one thing is, is kind of pending. Seriously, it is such a bad feeling. Yeah, I'm having this flashback while you were talking. Um, I, I mean, I was just thinking at how comforting it, it is even as like the healthcare professional to just know your stuff is like 
in, it doesn't matter. Like if it's in a Dropbox, if it's in a Kamana, like it's just somewhere where you're like, it's all together. But I had this flashback from early days when I was traveling, which is 10 years ago now. And I went across cross country and I remember my recruiter called me and needed, you know, physical something that was like on a piece of paper. This is probably like an immunization. And I remember I had these big, long tubs of like stuff. And I was like pulled over on the side of the road on my road trip, like digging through these tubs, like, <laughs> Where is that? I can't start without it. And it was so stressful. And I'm like, yeah, I was not very digital at all back then. Like it was like papers. I was like, do you know, was there even like smartphones to send pictures? I don't even remember now, like how fast tech changes. Cause that was, I mean, it was 10 years ago, but it was still just 10 years ago. And I feel like even from then to now, everything is so different. Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, you're even... <laughs> like American Heart Association now, when you go renew that BLS or that ACLS, yeah. it's not a paper card with the sticker that you slap together and put in your wallet and try not to lose for two years. Now it's a PDF, a digital card. And it's, you know, it's got that e-verify number. So you're seeing like companies like them and, and some of these other uh, regulating bodies moving to more digital records, which is super exciting. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Okay, Dave. Uh, let's talk numbers. That's what I always was curious about. If I, in the staffing agency, like how much does it actually cost them to credential me as a traveler? What are they paying upfront before I even start a job, before they make a penny off of me? What are they having to pay upfront about for this kind of stuff? Yeah, for sure. To get you to your start date, um, we often hear averages in the $1,200 range um, and then upwards of sometimes, you know, $1,800, $2,000. Especially if you're in, you know, a place that's requiring those really hefty like county, state, federal level background checks uh, or all three. But um, you could say comfortably they're spending over $1,000 to get you to your start date. Wow. Okay. That's a a hefty amount of money. Okay. Okay, now I see why they get so mad when people cancel <laughs> and we said we we're going to start. Okay, uh, cool. Got it. Okay, so I'm, um, here's a question I had. So it costs a lot for, um, for credentials and all of this takes so much time. Now in a traveler's world, it's really frustrating to us because we're like redoing a lot of this stuff over and over what you know. The skills checklist we might have to do for every agency, a slightly different one. And we're like, didn't we just do this? And Uh, the compliance paperwork and just so many things that feels like even the profiles, right. To feel like you're constantly refilling out your work history and things like that. And one of the things I'm curious about with the state of the industry today is why don't agencies share this? Like, why do I have to do a new skills checklist? And why do I have to fill all this paperwork out over and over again, just so I can work with a few different agencies? Uh, Dave, do you have a thought on that? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, historically, it's been, you know, a way for staffing agencies to keep a traveler from going to a different firm. And, you know, if I, you know, if I wasn't a traveler, but John was, and if John wanted to go to, to San Diego, and his agency didn't have a job in San Diego, they would, you know, convince him to go to San Francisco. And like, John having to redo that credentialing process, you know, was a way to keep him there, because it's expensive for the agency, but it's not very fun for the traveler either. Um, so, you know, historically it's, you know, agencies have almost been discouraged to allow the traveler to kind of share and walk with this information, but, um, it's, it's, uh, definitely something that's rapidly changing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, that does make sense, right? In their head, it adds a layer of friction. So if you're a traveler, you're like, well, all my paperwork is already with this agency. So I guess I'll just say, um, could be a mindset of it. 
which I agree. I have opinions about that too, of why I think it's, it's switching more, but I could see that. So, okay. So now here we are as travelers, the companies, you know, in more of the, the old school thinking, we want the friction. Sounds good. Um, now, also, I curious, like, still, the checklists are all different from each other, which is interesting. I'm like, are the hospitals requesting different checklists? Why are some of them so freaking long and some of them so short? And I know, um, you know, at one point I've done skills checklists that were on one page. And then I feel like almost like year after year, they would sneakily get longer and longer. And at some point I'm like, what the heck? Why are they asking me about this? It has nothing to do with me actually at all. And I'm curious if you guys have, like, I really want to know, like, who's deciding that? Is the hospitals adding questions? Is it because of the VMSs, MSPs? Are the agencies adding questions? What's going on? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's super frustrating when you take a skills checklist and then have to take one weeks later. Uh, and you're saying, I just did this one. First of all, where is the one I just did? Secondly, can you just take this one? Um, sometimes it comes down to the agency. They have their specific skills checklist. It may be branded. They want you to go through their process. That might be their policy. You're seeing that become uh, more flexible for obvious reasons. And then uh, there's, you know, there's all kinds of layers above the staffing agency. It could be a hospital. It could be an MSP that I know that you've explained a lot of that, Laura. Mm -hmm. You know, they have their requirements too, and they may have a specific skills checklist that they want all of their healthcare professionals to do. So if that's the case, then the agency needs to, to pass that on to the traveler. But, you know, we're starting to see that become more either flexible or standardized where, you know, we're moving towards one kind of universally defined, this is the process and, or we're willing to accept some of these other, you know, skills checklists. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's asking a lot of the same questions. So it does feel very redundant. Mm -hmm. It definitely does. Yeah. And in that comes the concept in, in technology. I think a lot of the people that are listening that are in tech fields, one of our favorite things in tech is clean data, which is pretty much standardization. And standardization, I mean, I think anybody likes it anywhere, but standardization, the thing that I learned, that as I learn about standardization more and more from having my own tech company and really having great friends with other tech companies is standardization is not only easier, right? Like it's like this says this says this, it's actually way cheaper when something is standard and it increases quality and it, it decreases time. It decreases the amount of times that like humans have to like think through things and figure things out and make things special for everything. But when something is standard and it's repeatable, well, that's when something can like scale. And that's when things like really credentialing we can go from um, a long time period to a short one because everything is the exact same. And I know it's also this cost-effective thing too. If, if this hospital uh, wants this drug panel and this one wants this one, but this hospital says the drug panel needs to be this and they put it on the front page of the contract. And this one says they need a different drug panel and they put it on page 36 of the contract under QB, something that you just have no clue. And this is a true story. This is like, how crazy it is to find what a hospital needs. It's not like it's just given on this beautiful template. So the credentialing team is looking like they are trying to get everything that hospital needs to do it right. But because it's not standard, it takes more time. They could have made a mistake. 
um, and not finding it correctly. And so now they did a 10 point drug panel instead of a 12 point and now you can't start on day one. All of these little things though, add up to a very complex credentialing system. And I think uh, one of the things that we need to see improve is standardization. I'm, if I'm a staffing agency, I wanna know I can look on page two, that's where it's gonna be cool, I know how to do it. Or can all of us, like all the hospitals agree that a 10 point is sufficient because it's way cheaper guys, can we please do that? Like um, standardization will make things better. And our industry is so fragmented right now. There's hope yet. And what I wanna talk about is kind of that hope. There is some really other cool companies out there too in the tech space. Um, Kamana, of course, being one of them, but lots more in credentialing that I want us to talk about because what we're seeing is improvements and they're coming our way. And this is what's gonna really be able to fundamentally change things in the future. Um, and so um, Dave, can you share with me? I know off the top of my head, there's like um, Prophecy, which a lot of travelers will would have heard of or nurses, which I think a lot of agencies use, but there's some other really cool ones. And I'd love to hear from you, like your favorite tech companies in the space of credentialing that you think are really gonna change the game in the coming years. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, there's a number of parts to this, right? And it's like, we've got, you know, companies like Kamara are working on how do we organize the information, but then you've got other really exciting companies that are out there of like, how do I know this information is true? How do I know it's accurate? How do I know it's right? And um, a couple of ones that come to mind, um, the really cool company that's, you know, entering the the healthcare staffing space now coming out of the financial industry called TrueWork that uh, is doing automated work verification. So, you know, rather than your agency having to call the, you know, your last seven years of work history, every time you go to get submitted and verify that you actually work there, it is a, a system source of truth for work history that you can carry with you throughout your career. Um, so, you know, the next call the agency makes to, to verify your work history is the last call the agency makes ever. Um, so there's really exciting stuff like uh, true work and, you know, in the compliance or uh, sorry, the uh, competency and, and skills area. There's a really cool company that's that's come out recently called Healthcare Staffing Hire. Um, they're enabling that, you know, company competency and skills process that all travelers dread and they're making it super mobile friendly and having the content really modern and up to date and constantly refreshed and um, you know, just re really exciting stuff. And and then thirdly, you know, after all of this information is kind of organized, you've got like a lot of really neat companies out there that are working to validate uh, credentials and education uh, and compliance records and be that uh, source of truth for like, if I need to know if this person really did their, um, did their uh, clinicals at this hospital, then I can uh, validate that through this one company rather than, you know, having to figure out how to track down 7,000 hospitals to get the data. Yes. Oh, that's so exciting. So it looks like um, things we might look forward to skills checklist being through one thing that people accept that is also like user friendly and mobile friendly, which is really important. And then, um, and then yeah, the background checks and stuff like that, that can take so long. That's those things are really cool getting standardized. So I think a lot of these pieces are coming together. Now, here's one of my favorite questions that I'm excited for you guys to answer is, uh, you know, a lot about the, a lot about the tech. You think about this, you live in this world in the credentialing space. Five years from, from, from today, what do you think is possible? What's like the dream of what you think is actually like possible, but it's a whole new world for us in this, Space of the industry. 
Yeah, I think the the world we're we're hoping to live in in five years, and and the world we really truly think is possible is, you know, every health healthcare professional out there has one central credential profile, credential record that they're carrying with them throughout their career. And I know we're speaking to an audience of travelers and travel healthcare, but you know, we think there's an opportunity for uh, this concept to be much bigger, um, where you know, if I want to move from travel to per diem to permanent, back to travel, back to permanent, you know, I've got this one compliance record that you know, it's not just my place to organize the information, but uh, it's also the place where my employers and my staffing agencies and, you know, everyone that's needing to get their hands on the data is really working off of this central data set that's, you know, verified and, and accurate. Oh, wow. John, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, sure. You know, I think the common denominator when we talk about credentialing is the credentials stay with the healthcare professional. So I love the idea of we see even when you start in school, whether you're in PT school, whether you're in nursing school, as you start doing those clinical rotations and you start stepping into that clinical setting, people need access to your information, but it's your information. So, you know, that's staying with the healthcare professional, them granting access, seeing who has control, and then that profile following them through their career. I think that's what's really exciting. And I think that, you know, it's super efficient too, when, when people need access to this information quickly, securely keeping track of when things are expiring. So no, you know, BLS expirations sneak up on us. I think that, you know, that's super obtainable and that's what's going to happen in the next five years. So, you know, it starts in, in school and follows you throughout your career. And this is your profile and it, it follows you and you, you're in control of it. Yeah. That would be so amazing. Like it really would like to think of like, okay, like nurses verify me. Cool. There's a centralized place that I can like share this and you can see like I am verified. Cool. My references said this. They don't have to get called 10 times. It's verified in this thing. And it's a centralized place that, like you said, like we have access to, but we can give access to the other people that want to hire us. And it's trusted. Like it's a place that actually verifies the stuff to be true. I mean, I don't, that's like a dream for everyone. Um, and, and my, and so right now, if that happens, um, I'm curious too, right now it's like 21 days to get verified. I think that also really limits people on doing PRN, you know, when they're like, um, when they're traveling around too, or to have that flexible work, how quick do you think people might could get credentialed in a world where there's like a centralized place for our credentialing? That's a, that's a great question. I think we'd love to see a world where, you know, it's days or potentially hours um, because everything truly is centralized. And you know, a lot of the time that it takes is, is related to the back and forth and the duplication of work and, you know, it's like as a traveler, you're having to do that skills checklist 15 times, but these agencies are, are having to do that background check 15 times. So it's, it's kind of that, that mass duplication of work that's happening for everybody involved. And uh, with all that eliminated, you know, we, we believe there's a world possible where, you know, if, if you want to work somewhere tomorrow, you can work somewhere tomorrow. Wow. Oh my God, John, how cool would that be? I'm thinking of like us as healthcare professionals. I'm like, that just feels like so easy. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And you brought up like the per diem world. Like, how cool would it be if I wanted to come to Austin to hang out with Laura to say, well, while I'm there, I want to see what, you know, what ERs are open to picking up some shifts and be able to just seamlessly go through this process, work some shifts, help them out, make a paycheck, and then kind of move on and not be this 
fun. It just opens up a whole new world for healthcare workers and the hospitals. Like it's helping the patients where they really need them quicker. And then it just gives such a cooler lifestyle for the healthcare workers too. And I, and I like that that dream is like a big dream, but it also feels like it's a dream that really could happen. Um, okay. So right now we're in 2020, uh, five years, we're in 2025. Um, what are the things that you feel like are going to have to happen for that to come to reality? What's like the tipping point to go from 21 days to then like, you know, 15 days to three days, you know, like what are the kind of the things that are going to have to happen for that world to become real? What do you guys think? I think it's going to take a lot of hospital systems, uh, regulatory bodies, uh, the government, you know, kind of challenging a lot of these regulations and saying, why can't we standardize this? Standardize this? Why can't we call this specialty the same thing as this hospital down the street? Or why can't we all accept this same certification or this same skills checklist? I think, you know, you know, watching what's going on with COVID right now, it's, it's, it's super frustrating when you've got a respiratory therapist that, you know, on a clinical level is more than qualified to step into that ICU and help take care of patients. But because they were licensed in a different state or because of X, Y, and Z, they're not able to, you know, legally walk in there and do that. So I think, you know, just challenging that notion um, is a start. And then I think, you know, just healthcare staffing agencies beginning to adopt more technology and bringing it in, recognizing that they need technology to be able to scale their operations and to be able to quickly react to the needs of, of hospitals. Uh, we're seeing a lot of really cool staffing agencies out there, you know, whether it's their own technology or whether they're partnering with technology companies, like it's, it's taking on a really powerful effect. And I think that those are the early adopters, but I think the rest of the market's going to recognize that, you know, to stay relevant, they're going to have to take it on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dave, do you want to add any any uh, other tipping points that you can think of? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I totally agree with all that. And I think ultimately, you know, credentialing and compliance has always been this like backdoor thing and like nobody really understood what was happening. And even the agencies didn't really understand what was happening at the hospital because the MSP was controlling it. And the nurse definitely didn't understand what was happening and they didn't even know what the MSP was. And I think we're, we're starting to live in this world, not just in uh, healthcare staffing, but, you know, in technology in general, where like the ecosystem or climate of uh, transparency and collaboration is, is, you know, making more people aware of all of the crazy stuff that's happening behind the scenes and uh, making more people aware of like, hey, we can't do that anymore. Um, so I think the, the just the transparency and collaborative environment and, and uh, you know, things like COVID happening and realizing like we need nurses tomorrow, but we can't have them for 25 days. Um, you know, just the the, those things, you know, exposing all of the gaps and, and then technology companies coming in and partnering with staffing firms and, and staffing firms, you know, adopting and, and growing, uh, you know, their business based off that technology adoption is something that's being, it's being recognized, it's happening. Um, and, you know, some folks are saying, paying attention and, and some folks are, but the exciting thing is, you know, the, the credentialing and compliance is getting easier um, and it's, it's not going to be so much so bad for so much longer. Yeah, it is it's exciting. All right, that makes me look even more forward to 2025. Credential, the year of credentialing. 
Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so cool. Well, David, John, thank you so much for your contribution to um, to this industry. I mean, it, it, what it takes is uh, dreamers. It takes innovators. It takes people to create this stuff. Like people have to have have to want it, and then put in that hard work to bring it to life. And you guys have done such an incredible job and I'm still blown away. It's only been a little over a year. So what you can do in five years, I have no doubt, you know, you're going to really transform the experience we get as travelers. So thank you for your contribution. I know um, we will see you at TravCon in 2021 when it comes back. And uh, thanks for being a part of the show. Yeah, we're we're excited to be here, and and thank you as well, Laura. I know without innovators like like Travcon and you know what what uh, folks are doing at companies like Nomadic here, I mean the the industry you know wouldn't be moving forward without all this progress and all this you know collaborative innovation that we're talking about. So it's really important. I love it. Yeah, I echo that. You said it at the beginning of the conversation. You know, we I truly agree. We are an exciting industry, and it is moving. It's not a stale industry. So. It's because of conversations like these and, and folks like you that we continue to innovate and move forward. So thank you as well. Awesome. All right. Thanks, travelers. Thanks, everyone who's listening. And we will see you next time on uh, the podcast and on TravCon TV. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to Travel Nursing and Allied Life. You can find the full show notes below or at TravCon.org. Please help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a comment below or email us at podcast at travcon.org.